Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy the message. So the title of my message, so we're getting into an informal theme again this month, and it's, it's called Hidden Treasure. And we get it from the book of Matthew chapter 13. You don't have to go there on the screens yet. And we'll get into that scripture. But that's kind of our, our core scripture um, for this month. Something that God's really been speaking to me um, about my life and really about our church. And how many of you felt the presence of God during worship this morning? Anybody? I, I know I did. And the Lord was here. I mean, he was here. Like, if you didn't feel it, um, you got to ask him, you Lord, Lord, help me to feel your presence. Because he was here today. And so something that we believe at our church is that. We want to be a host or a carrier of the presence of God. We want God's presence to be in our church, you know. Um, if, if, he, if he's not here, you're going to leave the same. If he's not here, you're never going to get your breakthrough. If he's not here, you're never going to get your miracle. If he's not here, nothing will ever change in your life. I can't change you. A pastor can't change you. Even church by itself cannot change us. But we find change and breakthrough with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need the presence of God in our church. Amen. So the message that I, 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 what I'm calling this message today is, it's titled, Does It Look Good to You? Does It Look Good to You? Um, I'm going to talk about hidden treasures and what it is to pass up on the things of God. Um, does anybody watch uh, Shark Tank? Anybody? I love Shark Tank. What's that? What's, that, what's Kevin? What's his, what is his nickname? Mr. Wonderful. I was thinking Mr. Money for some reason. <clears throat> I love that show. I, I, I binged it once when, when I first signed up for Hulu. I was like, I want to watch all of them. Um, but there's this story. Have you guys ever heard of the story? You know the ring doorbells? Those, those are really good to have. I have one, and, and I get to look if I want to answer my door or not. And sometimes, most of the time I don't. But then my kids run to the door, and they scream, and so they know that I'm home. Anyway, so there's a story. I want to read this to you. It says, in Shark Tank Season 5, Jamie Siminoff pitched DoorBot, a new take on the doorbell that allowed users to see and speak with someone at the door through their smartphones. Siminoff asked for $700,000 for a 10% equity stake in his company, but the Sharks turned down his offer. Despite not making the deal, the show's appearance helped revitalized the company and garnered $5 million in sales. The company has since stopped producing doorbots in favor of the newer, sleeker Ring video doorbell. In 2018, the app was acquired by Amazon for $1 billion. Talk about missing out on an opportunity for the sharks, right? Now, I'm sure you've heard this one too. You guys heard about Blockbuster and Netflix? This is crazy. This, it says, so former Blockbuster workers all over the world must cringe every time they hear the words online streaming and on demand. That's because back in 2000, Reed Hastings approached former Blockbuster CEO John Antioco and asked for $50 million to give away the company he founded, Netflix. Antioco, thinking that it was a very small niche business, ended the negotiations and didn't buy Netflix, which at that time was a DVD mailing service according to Variety. Do you guys remember the DVD? That's crazy. Now Netflix, just short of being worth the same as CBS last year, soared past the television network owner with a $32.9 billion market valuation. Netflix also reached the $50 million mark in subscriber, subscribers of its paid service and became available in 40 countries. That's insane. Talk about a missed opportunity. I like how it says, like, paid subscribers because they know a lot of Netflix users aren't paying for Netflix. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, what's your login? Um, <clears throat> but talk about missed opportunity. 
Talk about missing out on, on hidden treasure, right? And the crazy thing is, is, is we often in our life today, now we may not miss out on something like that, but we often miss out on what we have because we don't value what God has given us. We miss out on the opportunities that God is presenting to us, like ministry signups or growth track, right? Now you're like, wait a minute, was this like some kind of pitch? No, no, I'm just throwing that out there just in case. But we miss out on what God is giving us, and I think the ultimate thing that God has blessed us with is his presence. But how often do we miss it? Because we fail to see the treasure that it truly is. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, and this is where we're going to get our, our main uh, idea of this for this month. It's Jesus is giving a parable, or telling a parable, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. See, to this, to this man, the treasure that he found in this field that so many had passed up on, that so many failed to see what was there in the field, this man sees, and what does he do? He sells all that he has. The treasure looked good to this man. The treasure looked good. It looked good to him. It looked like it was valuable. It looked like it was worth something. So what does he do? He sells everything that he has, and he goes out to buy it and see what is the kingdom of God? Because Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is like this. But what is the kingdom of God? Sometimes we think of the kingdom of God and we're like, oh, it must be heaven or it must be some kingdom that we can't see. And, and in a sense, that's right. But, but what is the kingdom of God? We see this in Luke chapter 17, verse 21. And Jesus tells us what the kingdom is. He says, being, it says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or therefore, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So what is Jesus telling? He's saying the kingdom of God is like this treasure that somebody finds and sells everything that he has to obtain this treasure. And then he says the kingdom of God is not something that you'll see coming but it's already with you. So what is Jesus telling us? He's telling us that the kingdom of God is the presence of himself. Because Jesus is saying, I'm the kingdom. I'm among you. It's not going to look like what you want it to look like. It's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Because it's right in front of you and you're still missing it. Saying it's, the kingdom is already in the midst of you. It's already with us. The kingdom of God, can I tell you what it is? It's the very presence of the Father. That's the kingdom. So when you look about, think about what this guy did and you think, <clears throat> why would he sell everything that he has for this treasure? And, and the truth is, is that sometimes we, we don't see the value of, of Jesus because we've, we've become too familiar with him. We've become too, we've made him too common. Look at this in Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 6, it says, he went, he went away from there and went, and went to his hometown. So they're talking about Jesus. So Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and, and, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not... His sisters here with us, and they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could not do, do mighty works there 
except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. He says he couldn't do anything because of their unbelief or their offense. See, it's hard to value the things that we're familiar with. It's hard to value the things that we make common in our lives. See, sometimes we get too familiar with our spouse, right? We make our spouse common and we, start, we stop pursuing that relationship. You getting what I'm saying? Or we make our, our children common or they're there every day. And, and if we're honest, they're a little, sometimes it's a little hard with them. And we make them common so we stop valuing that relationship. Or, or with our jobs, right? We're tired of our job, the, the jobs that we prayed for. Remember when we were like, God, just give me a job. And he did it and now you made it common. And so you don't appreciate it like you used to. Because we've made it common, we've made it familiar, right? Or the income, the money that you're making now is the money you were praying for and God gave it to you and now you're not happy with it. Why? Because you've become familiar with it. We've made it common, right? We begin to treat things with little value when we make them common or familiar. You guys get what I'm saying this morning. But this is the truth is that we've done this to God. We have made God common. We've, made, we've become so familiar with the idea of the presence of God that even when we talk about it, like the Lord's presence is the kingdom and, and God's presence is among you, even when we talk about that, it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, God's presence. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I felt it. You know, I got like goosebumps on my, my hands and my arms and I know what you're saying, right, the presence of God, but, but we've made it common. You, you get what I'm saying? And, and this is a crazy thing is, is that with the things that we make common, we begin to dishonor. Familiarity creates dishonor. So when we're so used to Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, church after church after church, and we become familiar with it, we become familiar with God, we become familiar with the message about His presence, right? We become, it becomes common in our life. The Word of God is common. The, the praying to the Lord is common, and we're familiar with it. So what do we do? When we begin to make things common, we begin to dishonor those things that we used to value, like our spouse. When you make your marriage common, you begin to do things that you hide from your marriage because you don't value it like you used to. I mean, I promise it's going to get happy in just a minute, all right? But this is the thing about the presence of God is that if we don't see how we're mistaking it and, and not valuing it, we'll never hold it to its real value. So this is why I feel like I need to bring this out. And this is the beginning of the, of the theme, guys. It's going to get, it's going to get, you know, if you're like, man, this is me. Like, geez, I'm not coming anymore. It's okay. I love you. The Lord loves you. That's why he says this stuff to us. Right, we become familiar with our spouse, and so we do things that, you, you hear what I'm saying? We start talking to people that we know we shouldn't talk to, like old relationships and, and old, old friends and girlfriends and boyfriends that we used to have, and they start creeping up, and we entertain those thoughts. Why? Because what we used to hold value in, we've made it familiar, and we begin to dishonor it. The giftings that God has given us, we valued when we first found them, but when we start to operate, we may, begin to make them familiar, and so we begin to dishonor them. See, it's easy to disobey God when you don't honor him. It's easy to walk in rebellion when you don't honor him for what he really is as a holy God. It's easy to make God common because a common God doesn't require uncommon change. 
A common God doesn't require you to, to give up your old way of thinking. A common God doesn't require you to give up your old habits and your old hidden sins and your old things that you know are wrong but nobody really knows about. And you know those things that you're like, well, I'm not really hurting anybody and nobody really knows. We can hold on to that stuff because we've made God common. We've made his presence common. So it's okay to sin now. It's okay to, to go to the place that we know we shouldn't be at. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to say the words that we know we shouldn't be saying. It's okay to look at the things that we know that we shouldn't look at. It's okay to do those things because a common God doesn't require uncommon change. But what God is, but, but when you begin to realize, when you begin to realize the holiness of God, you begin to understand his worth, then you desire not to please him for the sake of religion, but to please him for the sake of honor, because I honor him. Is it making sense this morning? 1 Peter 1, 14 and 16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has he called you, who excuse me, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your co conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. You know, a lot of people, like, they use that scripture to really, like, like press on people. Like, you got to, you know, you can never sin, and, and you got to live right. And, right, you know, you've heard those messages. Like, you're, you know, they call them the fire and brimstone messages, right? Like, just, but this, with this, this, this scripture is encouraging. The Bible's telling me that I can be holy? It's not demanding. It's not saying, like, you better be holy because you've been messing up. No, no, no. It's saying, because he's holy? You can too. You can be holy too. You can be right with God because he's holy. But, but it really, it, it, it comes down to are you familiar with him? Because we look at this scripture and we're like, man, this guy sold everything that he had for the presence of God? That doesn't make sense. Like, I don't have to give anything and I can go to a church and I can feel his presence. I can go home and I'm cool. But why is that? Why do we, because if we're honest, like, come on, let's be honest for a minute. Sometimes we think that way. Why would he sell everything that he had? And the reason we think that is because we've become so familiar with religion that we've lost the value of his presence. I don't know if that's, if that's my kid crying in there, but I just want to encourage you, if you have kids in the, in the kids' room, don't worry about them. They're cool. If they're crying, don't worry. It's okay if they make a little bit of noise. In our new building, we will have a separate classroom for the kids. Praise the Lord. This is the truth, guys. If, if we will not experience his power if we don't honor his presence. We will never experience the true power of God if we refuse to honor his presence. Look at these people. They, their reaction to Jesus, they were, they were marveled at his teaching. They were amazed by what he was saying. He was healing people. What did they say? They said, isn't this the carpenter? They had no idea whose presence they were in. And we kind of do the same thing. When we get into the presence of God, we begin to say things like, isn't this just emotion? Isn't this just because of that song? Isn't this just because I'm upset? Isn't We begin to call his presence what it's not. Do you, do you kind of see where I'm going with this? Because we become familiar with it, but I want to encourage you. Don't make the presence of God familiar. I'm amazed when God showed up here today, I'm in my seat like, Lord, we're like hidden 
behind like a bunch of farms in Huddo, and like you came and you you found us and you came to our church. Like, how amazing is that? That the presence of God would come to our church. Like, why? We don't deserve him. Like, we, we, we don't deserve the presence of God. We don't deserve what he's given us. But he comes to you, right? You ever have those moments when you're like, I'm not good enough. I'm a sinner and you failed. But God still comes to you. He still forgives you. He still loves you. We don't deserve that. But he's good. Don't make him familiar. So we treat his presence as common or we treat it as familiar. But the reason that we do that is because we really don't understand it. We don't really understand the value of his presence. But can I tell you this? The fullness of God is revealed to us by his Holy Spirit. If you want to know the value of God, begin to seek the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 2, 10, 11 says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Can I tell you to stop seeking the signs of God and start seeking the Spirit of God? Stop like seeking like, oh, could you heal me or could you give me this breakthrough or could you give me what I need? No, no, no. Just begin. Can, can, can you just bring me to your spirit, God? Can you just show me who you are, Lord? Because I know what I'm in right now is very uncomfortable, but I know if I have you with me, then I'm okay. You get what I'm saying? Amen. Good one. Yeah. Praise the Lord. We're learning together. It's all right. Like last week, we're going ha- to start handing out those sheets. I'm going to write a bunch of little phrases you could say during the sermon, and you pick and choose which ones you want to, you know, which ones you want to say out. Or you can make up your own. You know, a simple, mm, that, like that works. That goes a long way. Mm. There we go. There we go. So, so this is the truth, is that God wants to reveal yourself, his, himself to you. Like, this, this, this frustrates me so much because religion has... Has, has tainted this word of presence. Religion has tainted this idea that God wants to know you because when we hear that, we're like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 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 cool, cool, cool. So I just got to go to church, right? Sign up for growth track and we're good? I mean, yeah, sign up for growth track. But, right? No, no, no. God wants to know you. Like, he wants to know you. Not just, he doesn't want you to just come to church. He doesn't want you to just be a part of ministry. He doesn't want you to just be like a good person. He wants to know you. Like intimately know you to where you can pray and actually hear his voice. To where you can actually connect with the God of the universe. He wants to know you. But some of us, what we need is we don't need a breakthrough. We don't need a miracle. We need a spiritual revelation of who he is. But see, Revelation, when you think about that, right? Not the book of Revelation. You're like, ooh, it's going to get spooky. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, like every church does like a revelation theme every Halloween. <laughs> like, anyway, sorry. We won't do that, I promise. But listen, you have to have this revelation of who Jesus is. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't give revelation to everybody. The Holy Spirit doesn't give revelation to just anybody. Revelation is given to those who fear the Lord. Now, I'm going to break a couple of things down for you. And this is, this is kind of the point of the message, right? So I want you to follow me here. 
Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. This is like a couple of verses, right? Or excuse me, it's like right before Jesus gives us his parable of the treasure. Okay, it says this. All things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. So look at this. What Jesus is referring here to here in this scripture, what he's referring to is found in Psalms chapter 78, verse 1 and 2, where it basically says that, and then what, you, what, what, what Psalms 78, 1 and 2 is referring to, we find it in the book of Proverbs chapter 1. It says this, chapter 1, verse 2 through 7, it says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and, and, and equity, to give Prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Or another word, another version is to understand parables. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to teach them in parables. I'm going to show them the mysteries of God in parables. Then Proverbs is saying, in order to understand parables, you have to have wisdom and understanding. But that comes from what? The fear of the Lord. Ephesians 1, 16 and 18 says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of what? Come on. Wisdom. Okay, I'll say it. I got you. And of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So Jesus was revealing the mysteries of God and the secrets of heaven through parables. So what are we, what are we looking at here? Gee, the, the Bible says that to understand a parable or the secrets of heaven, you have to have wisdom. To, under, to have wisdom, you have to have the fear of the Lord, right? So I'd put it this way. Fear of the Lord develops wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding opens the door to revelation. You get what I'm saying? Fear of the Lord develops wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding will open your heart and your mind and your spirit for revelation of who God is. So what is the fear of the Lord? So if we don't understand the value of God, if we don't understand what, what this is really saying about the, the secrets of heaven, then we don't have the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord develops wisdom and understanding, which opens our heart and our soul to, to revelation of who God is. But, but what is fear of the Lord? I've always questioned this because I'm like, I don't really know, right? Like, it's kind of hard. Like, I'm not, like, I don't want to be afraid of God because I'm supposed to love him. But what does that mean? I'm going to try to sum it up. The fear of the Lord is reverence and awareness. A reverence for the Lord and an awareness for him in your daily life. So in my life, I reverence him by the way that I talk and the things that I watch and the things that I do and the things, the places that I go and the kind of people I hang around with. I reverence him in that way and I'm aware of him in my daily decisions. I'm aware of him right when I'm getting to an argument with my wife. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you want to say something, but I'm aware of God because I'm aware of him. I keep my mouth closed, Right? One of my kids frustrate me, and I want to, you know, I, I don't know what I want to do to them, but they're making me really upset, so i got to do something. 
but I'm aware of God, so I begin to I do it in love, and I love them, right? Or when you're hanging out with people, you're aware of God, so it begins to change the way that you live your daily life. Are you kind of getting what I'm saying? So the fear of the Lord is not this, this unobtainable thing that we're like, well, I'll never get there because I'm not really afraid of God. Like, I love him. I don't know what you The fear of the Lord is a decision to reverence him and a decision to live in awareness of him. You get what I'm saying? So when I live this out, when I live a life with the fear of the Lord, I begin to see his true value in my life, and he begins to become my treasure. Is this making sense? I'm really hoping. Okay. Oh, man. It's only, we got some time. Good. I promise we'll be out of here with enough time to go in and out today. Oh, sorry. You guys don't like that place. That's all right. Let the Lord reveal it to you. And you'll, you'll have all the understanding to. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit uncovers the value of his presence. The Holy Spirit uncovers the value of God. Check this out in 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 16. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him or foolish, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The, spirit per the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of of Christ. We cannot understand the things of God with a carnal mind. We cannot understand the value of presence, the presence of God with a flesh mind. It has to be revealed by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to reveal these things to you. When you're coming to church and, and you're, you're joining us in our worship and you're joining us in, in, in praise and you're wondering, like, why are they lifting their hands? Or you're wondering, like, why, why am I doing this time and time again? Like, why do, you know what you've got to do? You've got to just ask the Holy Spirit, to reveal the value of God in your life. Because he's the one who shows us the fullness of God. And when he shows us the fullness of God, when, we're, when our eyes are open to see how great God is, then we can understand why this man would sell everything that he had to buy the field that had the presence. When we become a church that sees and touches the hand of God, then we will become a church that will do anything to keep his presence. Then we'll be a church that will do anything to just have him with us. I don't ever want to get to a point where we forget what church was like without God. I don't want to ever get to a point where we could run Sunday morning service because we're good at it and not because he's here. I don't ever want to get to a point where I preach a sermon to you and the Holy Spirit isn't leading that sermon. I don't ever want to get to that point where we can function but we're never flowing in the spirit of God. Do you get what I'm saying this morning? We have to be a church that is desperately seeking the spirit of God. But you'll never get there if you don't begin to fear the Lord. And ask him to speak to you about himself. It's this crazy thing that God has made a way that we can see his value. And all you got to do is live it out. And he gives you grace to do it. He gives you power to do it. He enables you to do what you're saying in your head that you can never do. God gives you that power. You just have to ask for it. 
But when I touched, when I touched God, when I felt his presence, he spoke to me, nothing else can compare to him. I was looking at, uh, it's so sad, this, I'm not going to say any names, I, you, you probably know them, I, I don't know them personally, but I just don't want to say the name, but I, I was looking at pastors who fell and into sin with prostitution and drugs and just this crazy stuff, and I'm like, like, that is so sad. Like, not even, like, to the point of, like, wow, they get what they deserve and I'm glad they got caught. But, man, how heartbreaking that a man of God would fall so hard. And I begin to think about that, and, and I just begin to pray, like, Lord, please never let me get there. Like, God, keep me in your hands. Father, let me never live a life that I can live without you. Like, never, I don't ever want to just have good habits that keep me from sin. Lord, I want to stay from sin because I honor you and I reverence you and I'm aware of you and I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good and there's nothing else that compares to that. So Lord, can I just stay with you? People fall not because, not just because they're sinful, but people fall because really they're not living in the presence of God. Philippians 3, 8 and 10 says, but whatever, I, whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. What a place to be. What a place to be where you can sit there and say, I would trade everything that I have, every good thing that I've ever gained. I would give it up for the knowledge of knowing and loving Jesus. Can I ask you, are you there? Is that you? Honestly. I mean, you don't have to tell me right now. Like, this be, I'm, I'm just asking you to, to, to search your heart. Like, is that you? That you're in a place where you say, God, I would give anything to be with you. Anything to be in your presence. Anything to be with you. Anything to walk with you. Anything to know you. Lord, I'd, I'd give that. I just want Jesus. We just want Jesus. If I get David up here, I have my last point. We got we to gotta make it really emotional. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. Is this speaking to anybody this morning? I don't know who's calling me right now. Everybody I know is here. Now, this is, this is like the great truth of this of this of this uh, message or this, this parable. Could you go back to the first scripture, the Matthew 13, 44? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. And what does it say? And he what? He buys it. He buys that field. It doesn't say he rents it. It doesn't say he leased it. It doesn't say he visits it. Right? It says he buys it. He sold all that he had to buy this field. 
So what is that telling us? It's telling us that the presence, his treasure, is our greatest possession. We possess it. We can own it. We can live it out. We can walk in it. John 15, 4 says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Abide in me and I will abide in you. What are we talking about? We're talking about relationship. We're talking about real, true connection. You can know him. Don't let religion blind you. You can know God. You can walk with Him. You can go to Him when you're in your painful moments and you're, and you're in those chaos moments in life. And You can go to Him and He'll hear you. You can go to Him when you're brokenhearted. You can go to Him when you're weak. You can go to Him when you sin. You can go to Him when you fall. You can go to Him when you make the mistake that you said you'd never make again. You can go to Him because it's relationship. Nobody could take that field away from that man. Nobody could take it away. It was his. In the Old Testament, when God is talking to the children of Israel, he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Relationship. Possession. You can know him. You can be a carrier of his presence. Can I tell you what the devil does not want the church to know? The devil doesn't want the church to know that every individual that goes to the church can carry the presence of God wherever they go. The enemy don't want you to know that. You know why? Because if you, if you begin to realize that, you know what would happen? You start to pray with people that you never really met, that are sick, and you know what you would see? You start to see them get healed. On the street. You'd see it. You know what happened if you begin to realize that the presence of God dwells in you and you could, anywhere you go, you carry the presence. You know what would happen? You'd begin to get in your home and the things that you didn't like because they're spiritually off, you'd begin to claim authority over them because you'd say, no, 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 no. I'm a carrier of the presence of God. This cannot be in my house. This attitude and this spirit cannot be in my house. This divisive and rebellious spirit cannot be in my home because I carry his presence and wherever I go, he goes with me. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not on your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This verse, again, is not meant to scare you. It's not meant to say, well, you better act right because God is with you and he's going to get you if, you if you mess up. No, no, it's an encouragement that says you carry his presence. You carry his presence. He's with you. This, this greatest treasure that we talked about, the kingdom of God, is meant to live in you. It's something that you walk with. Can I say this? The presence of God is not meant for experience, but it's meant for possession. You're not meant to just come to church and experience him. You're meant to come to church, yes, experience him, hear a pretty good word, get in on some worship, and then guess what? You go home, and that presence that you, you experience at church is with you when you go home. 
It's with you at your job. It's with you. He's with you at your schools. He's with you when you're struggling. He's with you when you're frustrated. He's with you. You carry his presence. I don't know about you, but when I think about this scripture, I can see, I can see why he'd sell everything for the presence. I can see. When you, when you think about the presence of God, can I ask you a question? Does it look good to you? Does it look good? Would you give everything that you had to obtain it? Because if we would be a church that would host his presence with honor and reverence, then we will shake the city of Huddle and eventually Austin and eventually Texas. We'll plant churches all over the nation because we honor and we host the presence of God. Does it look good to you? We hope you enjoyed that message today. We pray that it was a blessing to your life. If you would like more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX, or you can check out our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you.